Today's sermon is called Purpose of Prayer. Purpose of Prayer. For the beginning of the new year, as many of you guys know, we want to focus on prayer. Last week, we talked about what it meant to be devoted in prayer, and this week, we want to focus on the purpose of prayer. Now, to give context to the passage we just read, Jesus is speaking to the disciples in the last few hours of his life. Now, he knows that he will be crucified in only a few short hours. What we know is that Judas has already left to betray Jesus. And Jesus knows that these are going to be the last words that he speaks before he dies. So Jesus tells the disciples a few different things that are so crucial. He tells them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one and nothing could get to the Father, can go to heaven, except through him. He comforts and encourages the disciples. Because he knows that they're going to go through some of the most difficult and heart-wrenching times of their life. And so he says, look, be courageous. Because I'm preparing a home for you. That the place you are, that you are in right now, that's not where you belong. And I'm going to make a place for you in heaven. And here, finally, we have Jesus give them a powerful promise. In verse 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Now, the first thing we see here is that he is not only speaking to those disciples, he is speaking to you and to me. He is speaking to Christians because he says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. In other words, if you put your faith in him, then you will do the works that he does and do even greater things than he did. Now, for many people, they think that Jesus is talking about miracles. And that's why if you, are more, if you lean more towards the charismatic side, this verse is money for you. But when you look at the context of this passage, I don't believe that's what he's saying. In fact, I think that if we focus only on the miracles, that God is promising greater miracles than he did, that we would be lessening the power of the promise that Jesus gives. Look, we've said again and again before and before that miracles by themselves are meaningless. They are simply signs that point to something greater. But for so many people, miracles are all they focus on, and that is why their faith is weak, and that is why their faith is temporary. In the book of Exodus, we look at these people called the Israelites. And we see some of the greatest miracles that have ever been done. They are led out of Egypt through the ten plagues. They have experienced manna from heaven. They drink water from the rock. They are led by the pillar of fire and of cloud. And yet... In Exodus 32, when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, they are afraid and they begin worshiping a calf made out of gold. See, they see the miracles, and yet those miracles only give them a temporary faith. 
Miracles, church, by themselves are meaningless. In ministry, as I've gone through these past few years, I have seen this so many times. There have been prayers answered that could only have been through the power of God. These are prayers that people have been praying for for so long. And they're asking for a miracle, and God provides that miracle. And there's no doubt that it had to have been God. And we are celebrating, and I'm so happy for them. And yet the very next day, something comes into their lives. And they are afraid. And in their fear, they begin prioritizing their job over God. In their fear, they begin prioritizing their children over the Lord. In their fear, they begin prioritizing their relationships and their money and these things over the Lord. You see, church, there is no difference between us and the Israelites. We focus on the miracles, but miracles by themselves are meaningless. So if that is the case, if Jesus isn't talking about miracles here, what does this verse mean? I believe that the key is at the end of verse 12, where he says, because I am going to the Father. In John 20, Jesus was raised from the dead, and right before he would ascend to heaven to be with the Father, it says that he breathed on the disciples and he gave them the Holy Spirit. In this passage, we read that after the promises that Jesus gives, he says in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Church, the promise that Jesus gives to all who believe in him is this. We will be used to transform others through the power of the Holy Spirit. Miracles give a temporary faith. The Holy Spirit gives one that lasts forever. It was on the day of Pentecost that Peter preached, and it says that something like a rushing wind fell down on that church, on those people, and a sound of heaven was heard throughout that place, and tongues of fire appeared, and it said that, it said that the Holy Spirit transformed 3,000 people on that day. It was the Holy Spirit that did that. Now, does it doesn't mean that Peter didn't do miracles. Of course he did. In fact, in the Bible, it says that he, when he would walk through the street, people would just try to touch his shadow because his shadow would be able to heal people. But church, it wasn't because Peter was able to walk on water. It wasn't because he was able to part the Red Sea. It wasn't because he was able to raise the dead. He was able to do works greater than Jesus because when he spoke, the power of the Holy Spirit spoke through him. And it changed the people who heard him. And not only that, it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that your own life is transformed. Church, if you have bitterness in your heart, then it is not going to be through some 10-step process of meditation that you will learn to forgive. If you have anxiety and fear, it is not going to be through some wellness program that you will all of a sudden one day get better. 
the only thing that will truly transform your life is going to be the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, Jesus says this, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Church, God moves through our prayer. The greatest revivals in the history of the world is started through the foundation of prayer. It would be when men and women came together and began to pray that the Holy Spirit would change. That the Holy Spirit would change their lives and change the lives of others. That's what happened when the Roman Empire that cha- cha- would change all into Christians. It happened in Korea when it started in Pyongyang. And all of Korea would change into Christians. That happened in the Great Awakening when America would, tra- would change to become a Christian nation. It happens when we believe that the Holy Spirit is going to change the lives of us and the people that we love. And when we truly pray those things and we believe those things, the Holy Spirit doesn't just stop with you. It doesn't just stop with us. It moves from cities to states to countries. And church, one of the reasons why we believe in the power of prayer is because of verses like this. Where we see Jesus give a promise to all believers that if we pray, God will move. But Jesus, he says something important in verse 13, at the end of verse 13, in fact. That the Father may be glorified. Ask all of these things, that the Father may be glorified. What Jesus is saying is in order to utilize the power of prayer, you must understand the purpose of prayer. And church, the purpose of prayer is simple. It is to glorify God. All of prayer, everything that I ask, everything that I desire is ultimately to glorify God. Is that your mindset? Is that your heart? This is the ultimate purpose of prayer. Now, why is the purpose of prayer to glorify God? Why can't it be for my personal health? Why can't it be for my personal desires? You know, a few years ago, I remember taking my niece and my nephew to a playground. And at this particular playground, they had something called a mini merry-go-round. Uh, And it was this, if I could explain it, you know, simply, it was this rotating disc, right? And what you would see as kids, they would grab onto the the middle because there there would be this metal bar that would come out through the middle, and they would grab onto it, and someone would spin that disc, and it would go faster and faster and faster. Now, what I saw that day was both horrific and fascinating. In the beginning, many of these children would hug this metal bar as tight as possible. They were scared. (laughs) But as it went faster, it would get too difficult, and it would get too hard for them to hold it tightly, and so they would begin to loosen up. And the moment that they begin to loosen up, you would see their legs shoot up, and you would see children flying throughout the air. When the disc stopped, there would only be maybe one or two kids left. 
and it was the kids who were strangely strong for their age and were able to keep their bodies stuck to the middle. Now, the moon, that's a rock. And the only reason it hasn't flown out to outer space yet is because it revolves around the Earth. If the moon decided all of a sudden that it didn't want Earth to be its center, then it would fly off and what would happen is that it would either collide with something else or wander aimlessly because it wouldn't have direction. Church, the Bible says that God created us with a purpose. He created us not to simply just walk around this world to make a lot of money and to have a bunch of kids and one day die. He created us to center around him. We are built to orient ourselves around our true center, and that center is God. Why is the purpose of prayer to glorify God? It's because we are built to glorify God, and if we move away from that, then we will be directionless, and we will be without meaning, and we will one day wake up and realize that our lives had no meaning and no purpose. Church, the Hebrew word for glory, it means weighty, to have much weight. In other words, to glorify something means to weigh it against everything else and see what is heaviest. In other words, to see what is most important in your life. So church, what is your glory? What is most heavy in your life? What is that thing that is most important to you? Is it Jesus Christ? Is it God? And that's something I want to challenge you and something I want you to really think about. Because the way that you know what is most weighty in your life is only going to be when God places you in a position where, you're, where you have to choose. Do you tell the truth and lose money? Or do you lie and gain a profit? If you lie, then your glory, your center of gravity, it's going to be your money. Do you carve out a specific time to spend with the Lord and make sure it's not compromised? Is coming to church and life group, praying and reading the Bible, does it take precedent over your friends? Does it take precedent over sleep? If it doesn't, then those things aren't your center. I'm not saying that it's not going to hurt to put God in the middle. Just because God is the center of your life doesn't mean that forgiveness is easy. Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that temptation becomes simple. No. It is always going to be difficult to make the right decision. But when you do give up on that profit, when you do give up on your pride, when you do give up on that relationship, then your life will not crumble because your center is not based upon those things. Your center will be based upon Jesus Christ. And this is what prayer does. This is the true purpose of prayer. It reorients your heart towards God and it puts him in the center so that when you pray, 
you are praying for the right things in the right way. Just think about the way that Jesus teaches us to pray through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then after all of that, he says, give us this day our daily bread. The, his request, his desire, his bread, the thing that he wants, it comes all secondary. It is all after he gives glory to God. Because he knows that his priority, the main thing in his life, the one thing that he needs to hold on to is understanding that the glory of God is first and that his requests are second. And when you do that, when you truly understand that glory of God is first, then your requests are going to be painted through that picture of God's glory. But when you put your requests first, then God is going to be painted through your requests. And guess what? When God doesn't answer you in the way that you want him to answer, then he is going to be a bad God. He is, he is going to be a God that doesn't answer you. He's going to be someone who is unfaithful because guess what? Your priorities are, re are your requests when your priority should have been God. See, Jesus is saying that before you go and name your requests, spend your time thinking and praying about the glory of God. Always, always, first, your priority is God, giving glory to him, thanking him, loving him, and secondary, those are when your requests come into play. I'll be specific here. Many, uh, maybe I think some of you are unhappy or depressed because maybe some of you, someone took advantage of you. You cannot let it go and you cannot forget it. So how do you pray? Lord, make me better. Make me feel better. God, I want them to know what they did to me. Jesus, help me. That's not how prayer works. You begin with what's most important. You begin with the purpose of prayer. You glorify God. You start by thinking about all that he's done. You pray about how he's forgiven you. And you simply allow all that he's done to wash over you. And then, and then you pray and ask God what he wants you to do about your request. And I truly believe that if you pray this way, that your prayer will not be the same as it would have been. And I believe God will honor that. In fact, he promises it. If you start with glory, then everything else begins to fall into place. If you start with glory, then your prayers have purpose, and through that purpose, they have power. If you start with glory, then it will give you confidence knowing that he has forgiven you and that he will protect you. And lastly, in verse 14, it says, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. When you end your prayer, church, you have a specific privilege that only Christians have. 
you can seal it in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? It means that you have complete trust and faith that the prayer you have given to God can only be accomplished through the power and the name of Jesus Christ. That is not going to be through your might. It's not going to be through your strength. It is not going to be through your mind power, through your meditation, or through anything that you have. You are giving all responsibility. You are giving all power. You are giving all everything to Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Look, your worries, your hopes, and your desires can only be temporarily fixed by your own power. But they can be forever healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit is brought through the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The purpose of prayer is to bring glory to God because he is our center. And the power of prayer is only made through the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter how much work you try to do, a metal rod that is broken cannot be fixed by our hands. You can push them as hard as possible, but any fix that it has will always and only be temporary. The way that you join two broken pieces of metal is by putting them in the fire. It's only then that true, lasting transformation will occur. Church, prayer is that fire. The Holy Spirit is that furnace. But in order to experience the power of prayer, you have to understand that the purpose of prayer is not to get God to see things your way, it's for you to see things God's way. So church, think and pray on the glory of God, and then, only then, make your requests known to him. It is in that way that the broken will receive healing. It is in that way that your heart will be transformed. It is in that way faith will last and it is in that way that the people that you have been praying for, that your own life that you have been praying for, will see lasting, transformative change through the power of the Holy Spirit. So put God in the center of your life. Put God in the center of your prayer. And trust and believe that the power of the Holy Spirit will transform lives. Jesus promises it. Amen. Let's pray.